Welcome back to Pick and Roll Episode 3. Today's episode, we're going to do a tournament breakdown and a Final Four predictions as well. But I'm very excited to be back. I'm obviously your host, Cody Webb, joined, of course, by my co-host, Carter Sims. How are we doing today, Carter? Death to the Blue Bloods, baby. Good to be here. <laughs> March has been crazy, huh? It's almost April. Sad. It has been absolute insanity, living up to the March Madness billing. And yeah, we were just talking. I mean, once March ends, it's kind of just a new era of the year. Onto the Masters. Yeah, true. But uh, we we still have, do have a few days left in March. So we're broke up as much as of that as we can. But uh, yeah, for today's episode, we're going to keep it pretty simple. Kind of just go through uh, each region and kind of just break down some of our favorite moments, some of our favorite games. Then, of course, hand out some hoopies. That's that's pretty much what we do, uh, you know, I'd say best on this on this uh, podcast. Initial reactions, I do just want to, you know, address some elephants in the room off the bat here. But, uh, Kurt, I mean, in general, what do you think of the tournament? First of all, Cody, I want to point mm-hmm. out that in our bracket pool, you and I are first and second. Just yeah, want to yeah. point that out. Cody is top. I think you might win the thing. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, it's I'm in second, so I'm going to get my money back, which is hype. So, that's the first dub that mm-hmm. I'll mention before the uh, the L that we both took during March Madness. <laughs> yeah, so as everyone knows, uh, I'm an Indiana Hoosier. Cody's a Purdue Boilermaker. And not a great march for the Indiana basketball programs, let me tell you, because uh, Purdue suffered a – some are calling a historic loss in the first round. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some are saying. Not me, but definitely me. Um, <laughs> and then uh, also Indiana lost in the second round. So um, – you know, it was a sad, dark day for us. And, um, but you know, we move on, we move past it, but yes, it was a sad, sad time. How are you coping Cody? You know, it's been okay. Mostly just denial, you know, still in that first stage, I would say, uh, yep. you don't totally. really come back from, from losing to a 16 seat, I would say, especially in that fashion, but, uh, yeah, just not a, not a great tournament for Indiana schools in general. Nope. Uh, I think in our first episode, we, we mentioned off the top, you know, basketball is just different in Indiana. So that's a bit ironic statement. After For better game. or worse, sometimes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, IU, they had a good showing. I, of course, had a bunch of hate against them, uh, you know, picking case uh, Kent State, excuse me, off the top. But the, I mean, they lost to arguably the hottest team in, in America right now with the Miami Hurricanes. So true. Not a bad loss there, more of just a bad draw, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, altogether, general thoughts too. I mean, just a crazy tournament. Um, Holy cow. Yeah. There's been so many just unbelievable statistics of like, a record-breaking year in a sense. No one seeds past the Sweet 16, which is kind of even hard to believe. Uh, that's yep. never happened before, but we saw it in 2023, which is awesome. Then, of course, a March Madness, you know, staple, just unexpected teams making deep runs. The FIU Owls are uh, one of my favorite teams to watch throughout this tournament. Ooh. And as well, shout out, uh, you know, the Princeton Tigers uh, for the, I believe it's a third year in a row, a 15 seed carving its way into the Sweet 16 somehow. So Very shout nice. out to them too, but yeah, been a lot of fun. I think uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about as we go through this, but uh, I said we just jump straight into it. Let's do it, baby. March. March, March, March. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start off pretty much the uh, the same format that we use for our uh, tournament breakdown. So if you listen to that, it's going to be similar, you know, just way we're going about it. We'll start in the South. It was one of the more fun regions, I think. Uh, there's sort of two regions in specific that were just craziness and then two others that were a little bit more of kind of what everybody expected, but the mm. South was absolute insanity. Just to kind of uh, touch on a couple of my favorite moments and uh, just even sticking in the first round, it was awesome. Day one, what is it? The second game of the day. I think uh, Furman, Virginia is my favorite game of the tournament. Oh um, yeah. I don't know. It's just something about like those first couple games. You really hope for an upset. 
And um, I did actually pick Furman. If you watched our past episodes, you know that. So kind of nice. just a biased thing there as well. Cause that's a pretty lucky pick, I would say. But I mean, no, that's skill. That's skill. That's skill. Own that. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. And I, and to touch on the brackets too, I had a terrible start. But I mean, as it goes along, obviously everything kind of evens out. Yeah. I actually am not sure if I'm going to win that bracket pool because, um, so basically there's a couple people below, but one person has UConn winning in the final four to go to the Natty. And I think that would spring them above me. Uh-oh. But then there's also another person who's like way far down below who has Miami winning the entire thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it's kind of catch-22. I, so I think I for what I need exactly to happen is for Miami to beat UConn in the Final Four. And then the lose then in the Final? The lose to, yeah, FAU. It's <laughs> a lot of logistics there. But what, what do you think about the Furman game? Because, I mean, just started off the tournament with a bang, I think. Well, it was awesome because, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. It was the second game. Um, Cause I think the first game was still a really good game. It was the Maryland West Virginia game, which was still like a really close game battle the whole time. So it was one of those games at the very start where like, I have one TV on over here and I have my desktop over here with the other game on. Mm-hmm. And so the, the vibes were high immediately. And I was like, to be frank with everyone, I bet on, uh, I think Furman to cover the, the spread. So I was just looking for just a really close loss. So I was like, this is great. This is looking great. But then when my guy, Kehe Clark, throws this ball away on the inbounds, just yeah. just throws it as the uh, as the uh, Paladins player would say, he just freaking threw it post game. If you saw that yeah. clip, just an absolute heart wrenching play. Throws it to the back court. Doesn't get quite far enough. Paladins player grabs it, shoots a an onions three, and there's like one second left. But the game is the game is over. Incredible. We, I feel like we always get one of these awesome ones in the first day to kind of set the tone of what it's going to be. And this was definitely, you're right, the game of the day. There was another like awesome upset later in the day, but this really set set the tone for the rest of the day. It was amazing. But yeah, it was awesome. And honestly, I, I do think like still standing, that is my favorite moment of the entire tournament, which is pretty crazy because there's so many kind of just like insane games that did go down. Yeah, yeah Keegan Clark, and I, I don't really like him to begin with either because he was on that Virginia team that, you know, beat Purdue in the Elite Eight. And he was, actually, he was the one who threw the pass uh, forward at the last second to tie the game. Yeah. Um, so kind of a little bit of, you know, Purdue, you know, irony in that play, which I do like. But uh, yeah, really fun to start off. And of course, the other game that you were referring to as well as a massive upset is already the aforementioned uh, Princeton Tigers taking yes. down Zona, who I think and myself included, I thought would go fairly far in this tournament. They yeah. had elite roster. I mean, two of the best bigs in the nation and and pretty dang good guards to back it up too. But I don't know, Princeton, like they just chuck threes, but I don't their defensive system is really what surprised me, I think. Yeah, they just really they turned it up on defense. They seen the final three or four minutes for Arizona looked completely flustered. Kirk Carissa did Kirk Carissa things down the stretch in a bad Kirk Carissa way. And uh, he was so bad, he transferred. So he's not at Arizona anymore. So he's in the portal. But yeah, I mean, spoiler alert down the line. I think this is one you and I got completely wrong. I I don't know about you. I had Arizona in my Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. I had them going far. So yeah, this was definitely a bracket buster to kind of end the day where you feel like, oh, well, March is over. Screw the brackets. Let's do madness. Um, It starts to even out as you get down the line, as you said. But, But yeah, Arizona completely fell apart. We really was not expecting that at all because... Princeton was kind of dog too. They were like not the ones that were going to be picked quote out of the Ivy league all year. So they felt maybe they had a little chip on their shoulder, but yeah, they, they really turned it on and, and got the dub. So shout out Princeton and death to the wildcats. Sorry, Tommy Floyd. 
or Lloyd, <laughs> whatever your name is. Whoops. I bag it. Pac-12, uh, madly overrated anyway, so I, was, I wasn't too mad about that. And yeah, I mean, Princeton, they weren't even the favorites in the Ivy League championship. Yale was supposedly the, the team uh, of destiny. They were probably going to be like 12-13 seed, likely, if they did make it. Um, yeah. It was kind of a disrespectful seed. I, I thought a little bit to put a Princeton at a 15. You but, called uh, it, man. Yeah, they proved everybody wrong, but another heck of a game there. Past that, I mean, all of the other games in the South first round wise, I thought were fairly interesting. I mean, the main ones that really stood out to me and uh, I was big on, you know, Missouri money line, obviously against Utah State, which I did come through. Um, yeah, but even pick. moving on to the second round, uh, Princeton shut them down completely. Yeah, so I, I was probably a little bit too high on the Tigers in that sense. But I mean, the South as a region, I feel like all of the first round games are decent. You already mentioned too, um, Maryland, West Virginia, which again was one of my favorites of the first day. Uh, really, I don't think anybody uh, had picked you know uh, Maryland too much to contend in that game, and they came out in the second half and and pretty much just dominated. And then another great one too was uh, San Diego State Charleston. Yeah, this and we'll talk about some of our biggest hits and our biggest misses. But I mean, <laughs> this was my biggest miss of the tournament by far. I even was hyping up San Diego State a little bit on our preview show, saying like, "Oh, the Mountain West sucks, but this team is good." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're good enough to go all the way to the final four out of three. <laughs> so in hindsight, maybe not the best pick there. But yeah, were there any other games that kind of stood out to you as, as really good ones here? I guess the spoiler. Well, we for a minute were thinking like, oh, can UCSB do this against Baylor? Um, turns out, no, they could not. I think we were on the money with Creighton. Uh, a lot of people were p- liking that NC State upset pick. I think you and I were drinking the Creighton Kool Aid, and rightfully so. And then other than that, I mean, yeah, all, that's all those first round games in the South. They were, they were all pretty good, pretty well contested. Other than some that kind of got away from you know, the, uh, the, the, the gauchos down there at UCSB, but yeah, the Charleston San Diego state game was great. I wasn't as high on Charleston as you were. Um, as we go down the line later, I was more high on the Florida Atlantic owls, which turned out to pan out pretty well. So yeah. let me get down there, but yeah, all those first games were, were, were great. And I guess, you know, shout out Corpus Christi for trying to play Alabama. So <laughs> true. They did their best. And, um, even moving on, you know, past the first round, this region did have, a lot of interesting stuff going on, continuing talking about San Diego State. I mean, that that matchup with Bama, I think, was one of my favorites to watch as well. From oh, the yeah. mm-hmm. Just because they completely shut down that Bama offense, which was pretty much unstoppable the entire year. Um, and specifically, Brandon Miller um, playing terrible. Like, I kind of enjoyed watching it just because of all the extenuating circumstances and stuff. Yeah. Kind of the whole tourney. Like, he was held he was held scoreless in that first that first game, wasn't he? Yeah, even the 16 yeah. seeds um, pretty much shut him down, which was fun to watch. Um, yep. You mentioned Creighton as well. Their run was super fun to watch. Uh, the Creighton-Baylor game, which we had uh, you know, hyped up if both those teams won, would be a good one. Definitely mm-hmm. came down to the wire there. And then every game passed that with Creighton as well. Um, that Elite Eight matchup, I mean, I think that's an instant classic in a sense. Um, Andrew Nemhard was kind of carrying them throughout the tournament until that game. And he kind of got like, he re-injured his wrist a little bit in the second half and really just, you know, cut their offensive flow a little bit, but they're one of my favorite teams to watch in this entire tournament. And I kind of wish they were there, uh, yeah. you know, in Houston instead of San Diego state, but shout out to the Aztecs. I mean, they, they really matched up well with everybody in, in this uh, bracket, which um, I didn't look too far into that way, but defensively that I think by far, Maybe other than Tennessee, who, you know, is just physical play. But I think defensively, San Diego State 
is the best team in the nation and and they proved it and you know they 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 really did it for the mountain west which of course i am not a fan of but they got their first the first mountain west win in however many years and they also had never been to the elite eight never been to the final four they have a very good shot i think you know to keep moving on in this thing so Shout out to the Aztecs. They they put in a lot of work and yeah, it, it definitely paid off. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back to your Andrew Nemhard, like they were, I mean, Creighton was a foul away from going to the final four. Tough call down the stretch against the Aztecs. Hate to see it. Uh, that was a wild ending of that game too. Like it was it one of those like, like big 10 endings. It was like the Minnesota Rutgers <laughs> game. We're like, like yeah. clearly we know this game is over, but we're really dragging this out. It yeah. was excruciating, but yeah. You and I rode for the Jays all, all all tourney. That paid off well for us. But yeah, shout out to the Aztecs for proving the haters wrong, proving proving the Mountain West haters wrong, mostly Cody and I. Yeah. And getting it done. So yeah, they're on to the final four. Congrats to the Aztecs. Big ups to them. Um, when the Mountain West somehow gets like five bids next year, I will be saying the exact same thing. But yeah, shout out the Aztecs. But uh comparing our original brackets, I had Creighton and Bama in the Elite Eight. Did you have the same thing? I did, yeah. I had Creighton and Bama as well. Um, I was expecting Bama to to make some waves. I was expecting like a Brandon Miller like revenge type of deal to happen. Yeah. That did not happen. The basketball gods shined upon us and and yeah, so I had I had Creighton and Bama as well. So we were fifty percent right there, but yeah, no. We we're gonna find the right track, I think. And um I mean Bama's the obvious pick. I feel like almost everybody had them at least going to Elite Eight. So yeah, yeah really not a massive miss there. I would say moving on to kind of our biggest hits and misses in general, my biggest miss hundred percent was Charleston. I actually had them in the sweet 16 as well. So it kind of worked where obviously the thing in the bracket is, you know, if uh, the team that you picked against loses in the first round, you hope the team that beat them continues winning. So they kind of just slot in those spots and you don't lose yeah. any points in a sense, um, which did happen and it continued happening. So I think that is how a little bit, you know, I made up some points, you know, after the big Purdue loss and everything. Yeah. Um, but I was also spot on a couple uh, here too. Furman first round is probably my hit of the tournament. And then both of us creating a lead eight. I feel like that's a pretty good hit as well. Um, yeah. What were, what were some of the big hits and misses? Yeah. Like you said, big hits were Creighton. Uh, I also had Furman uh, in the first round. That's really? True. The only, yeah. the only games I missed in the first round were, were West Virginia and Arizona. Well, I, in, in the South region, I had many misses later. We'll get to those. Um, but I guess my biggest miss was Arizona because I had Arizona in the Sweet 16. Um, so that one hurt a lot. But other than that, the South region was not was not too bad, given all the chaos. Like for some reason, this was one of the regions where we predicted the chaos somewhat correctly. That's not the case later down the line. But but yeah. And then I guess Bama was another miss, but not too bad for the South region. Yeah, I'd say pretty good altogether, obviously. And I actually did have Missouri beating Arizona second round. Oh, so that I mean, helped. Yeah, I was I was extremely excited when Princeton beat Arizona as well. Because I was like, oh, Missouri's definitely going to, you know, wipe the Easy floor. Dub. Yeah. As well. And uh, they absolutely shut down Missouri's offense, which was a really fun thing to see. Yeah, yeah awesome. And uh, of course, let's move on to my favorite segment, the hoopy handouts. Uh, we're going to be giving out a couple hoopies, but the first one is the obvious one and sort of just, the best player of the region. Now, this obviously doesn't have to be anybody from San Diego State. It, of course, can be. They have a lot of good players. But sort of just looking for who you think was the best player in the region of the entire tournament. And I'll throw it over to you, Carter. Who, who you handed out your hoopy to in the South? It was between two people. Like you said, I was I was, um, 
I was tossing around the San Diego State pick just to be to be in the Final Four, but I'm actually going to go Baylor Shireman here uh, for for my Jays. I thought on a team with you know Nemhard and Cockbrenner kind of being the the flagships of that that he kind of came to be that glue guy during their run here. Um, had had a, some great plays down the stretch, especially against San Diego State. Came up a little short, but but yeah, I thought he he was he was great. I love a man with a headband. So uh, respect to Baylor Shireman. I'm giving him my hoopy for this for this region. Just to play, just to play uh, devil's advocate. I don't know if you picked a San Diego State guy or if you are loving the Jays as well, but that's where I went. Good pick. Pat, uh, shout out Shireman, uh, South Dakota State transfer, and uh, yeah, good guy overall. I would say. Yep. I did actually take a Creighton player myself. I think looking into San Diego State's roster, um, you can obviously put a lot of a lot of flex on their defensive uh, stature more than their offensive. Their best player actually played just really, really bad down the stretch in the uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games. But everybody was solid for them, so I didn't want to single out anybody specific. And on Creighton, I actually ended up going with Ryan Nemhart. Yes. I think he obviously he's the flow of their offense at the point. Um, I, I did have his statistics here, so I'll read them off quickly. But uh, day one, he had five, six, and six. Day two, 10, three, and three. Sweet 16 game, he had 30, two, and two. Yes. And then the Elite Eight game, he had seven and four, but obviously was injured for a little bit in the second half. But I mean, I feel like he kind of found his jump shot a little bit, which he definitely had lost a lot in, in the year. Definitely. And um, I mean, just his vision and his passing as well is that's what has, has made him a great, good player already in the past. But add in a 30-point performance uh, to send them to Elite Eight, I think that's crazy. It was against Princeton, you know, to be fair. But uh, they were hooping. But, yeah, I think in this region specifically, there wasn't any obvious picks. Um, you no. Know, you would think going in, maybe Brandon Miller would be the obvious pick. Or uh, what, what's the other guy's name? Balo or uh, yeah, Tubelo. Yeah, Balo or Tubelo. Yeah. I think one of those guys would probably pop off. But the early, I mean, the high seeds were out early, which we saw a lot. So, yeah, I think a couple of the Jays uh, definitely deserve some hoopies. So I'd love to see that. Absolutely. Um, but moving past that, we do have a couple of just hoopie extras here that we wanted to throw in. And uh, the first one is, it's a pretty obvious one. I mean, the best coach of the region. And I feel you can give this to, to a couple different people here. But uh, who, who are you giving the hoopie to, Carter? I'm, I am going to give it to Brian Dutcher uh, after a lot of, after a lot of thought on it. But. San Diego state coach, obviously um, mainly just because of the, the work he's been doing for like the past three years, you know, in, in the COVID year, they were likely to be a one seed before the tourney went away and to just remain relevant and not only in the mountain West, but kind of in the postseason a little bit, they finally got over that hump. So I think Dutcher has done a tremendous job, you know, took the job at like 56 years old or something. He's been there for uh, six or seven years. So finally getting over that hump and getting there. And then just an audible mention to to Greg McDermott and the Jays once again. Hell of a hell of a run for Creighton. Obviously, never dreamed of being there a couple months ago after that that skid that they had in midseason. So I'll split the hoopy in half and give it to both of them. <laughs> Love that. We we were allowed to do that here. There's no rules. <laughs> yeah, Greg McDermott was definitely. Well, both of them were on my short list as well. I actually ended up going with Mitch Henderson uh, nice. from Princeton. Yeah. Um, I love seeing mid-majors go deep in the tournament. Who doesn't? But this guy kind of made it more enjoyable, especially that game um, against Missouri, because the entire time – they were up, obviously, the entire second half. And he was just smiling, like, the entire time. Yeah. Just, like, full grin. Like, he was just so happy um, to see his guys perform, I think, um, which is cool to see. And I do expect him to kind of move up. Uh, obviously, fairly Dickinson's coach. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. it's quickly moving, this carousel. Uh, obviously, Patino to St. John's, then uh, – 
I don't even remember his name, but Fairleigh Dickinson's coach to Iona to replace him. Tobin Anderson, baby. Yeah, yeah. I already yeah. Uh, wiped it from my memory. Yeah, but, I, don't, uh, I don't blame you. I think I think Mitch will definitely be on the move. He, I think he deserves it. And um, yeah, it was it was a special run, and and I hope he does kind of go to bigger things. I think there's a lot of coaches in the, in these mid majors who don't get these opportunities unless they do kind of you know make a splash in the tournament. There's tons of examples, but I mean Chris Beard at uh, Little Rock. I could just name all the Purdue's losses basically in the tournament. <laughs> and, uh, everybody moves up from there, but yeah, I I think he deserves a shot somewhere else for sure. Hey, there's still an opening at Penn State right now, isn't there? That's true. Shout out Micah. I think he's going to kill it at, at yeah. Notre Dame as well. Really knows the Indiana recruiting, um, I think, to a T. So he's going to be yeah. good. It's going to be um, a hell of a hell of a time recruiting now versus yeah. for Shrewsbury and Painter for Woody over there at IU. Yeah. So that'll be fun for us. Well, hopefully Painter's gone. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge uh, recruiting in that state now. I mean, Notre Dame, they've kind of been irrelevant for, I don't even know, it's been a while, I feel like. So bringing them back, I think, will be good for the state in general, too. Um, awesome. Moving on to our last hoopie, kind of a fun one that I wanted to throw in the best uniform hoopie. So in March, uh, you know, obviously the, the homes are always going to be the whites, which are kind of boring. So lots of these will, will maybe be a ways, maybe not, but, um, yeah, I'll throw it over to you, Carter. Any uh, any jerseys that you really liked out of this region? For some reason, I was really vibing with the the West Virginia blues they had going on versus Maryland. Yeah. I liked the blue, and they had like these yellow sh- streaks to them, uh, kind of Michigan vibes, but were kind of their own thing. So, I liked I liked West Virginia's. Also, I'm a sucker for any school that has like cursive your your school on it. So I liked Charleston's. Nice. Um, and so yeah, I'm a sucker for any of those. Those are those were just mine. What about you? Purdue's got some cursive jerseys as well. I could get you a, get you a couple. Um, <laughs> I, I need some kindling for my fire. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a painter's old jersey for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are a couple of good picks here. West Virginia was on my radar. Uh, I really like the the detail of the yellow kind of uh, stripes on the side of theirs as well. I ended up going with UC Santa Barbara, who have been jokes past, and I've always enjoyed theirs. But just give me those baby blues and uh, yeah, the gauchos. It's a cool logo as well. I think kind of just a good look overall. And uh, they deserve a shout out. They they played okay against Baylor. They kind of blew it in the second half a little bit, but their jerseys get a hoopy, uh, you know, in, re- in remembrance regardless. So shout Congrats out. Congrats to them. Nice. They will, I'm sure, be very excited to accept this award. In the, in the absolutely. Future. That wraps up our recap of the South. Really fun region. And moving on to just the complete insanity of the east yes um, a lot to hit on here and first and foremost i mean we got to talk about it a little bit purdue falling to fairly dickinson the first i mean i'm sorry the second ever time that has happened obviously with the 16 seed the first time it's ever happened where that 16 seed has had to play themselves in the tournament through the first four and also the first time um a team a mid-major who did not win their conference tournament you know, got to win in the tournament as well. So I guess that's cool. But uh, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on that game, Carter? Because it was just complete madness, I think, from, from beginning to end. Well, let me, I'll first say that I went to bat for Purdue on the mm-hmm. latest edition or the most recent edition of this podcast. Mm-hmm. When I was like, no, they're going to get past. Everyone's saying that the Memphis or FAU is going to beat them. I think yeah. they're going to get past them and then they're going to lose. But turns mm-hmm. out we were both wrong on each account because they didn't even <laughs> make it to that game. This game was insane. Just really like defensively, they really locked down down the stretch again, um, which has kind of been the problem all year for Purdue. They're, when their guard play is, is bad, the team suffers. And Edie tried to put the team on his back 
and it just wasn't enough. Just in credits, one of those things you really can't explain or, or, or talk out. It's just one of those things that, that happens. Destiny got to them. I, I, in a world, do you think in a world where Purdue is the two seed instead of the one seed, you're, you're feeling a lot better today. Cause we talked about UCLA being that one seed over Purdue, which they kind of earned as we went down through the tournament here. But what do you think there? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's definitely a good question. I think 15 seats are, are probably a lot more dangerous than this Fairleigh Dickinson team was, to be fair. I think it was just a bit of the style of play. Maybe if we did play, you know, in in that UCLA slot against UNC Asheville instead, maybe we would win. That is a good question. But I don't know, Fairleigh Dickinson, they just came and committed to just, you know, triple team Edie at every opportunity. Yeah. And our guards didn't want to or couldn't make a jump shot for some reason. Um, that's I really what did it, yeah. Points, which if that's not a season low, it's got to be very, very close. But yeah, just, you know, the works, tough, embarrassing, all of those words. Um, yeah, there's really no explaining it. And um, I am one of those Purdue fans calling for Painter's Head, if, if you can't tell by now. Man. Um, and I don't really understand the backlash against it. Like the past three years, we've lost to a 14 seed, a 15 seed, a 16 seed. I don't know how it gets much worse than that. There's no 17 seeds, so you'd be all right there. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> oh, true. Oh. If they put them in, we'll find a way to lose to them. Gosh. But uh, I've been joking that I'm uh, denouncing my my fanship of, of Purdue. I actually wow. Support, I support the Valpo uh, men's basketball team now. On the okay. right. Go, Go Knights. <laughs> Wow. They were the Crusaders, I think, but they changed. For oh, God. I don't know. But anywho, let's, let's swiftly move on past that sure. and talk about probably the, the team in the tournament for me, and especially that first round game, especially too, the Owls of FAU against Memphis, which came down to the very last shot. Just cool to think about in hindsight, because, I mean, if Memphis wins that game, is it the same outcome? A lot of people did have them going deep. They were super talented. I think that is the closest game FAU has had in the tournament so far. But uh, I mean, yeah, how can you not love the Owls? But yeah, what do you think about them in general, I guess? Well, I, like I said last pod, when I was kind of calling Charleston the frauds of the tournament, I was really riding high for the Owls. In terms of those two teams cracked the top 25 during the season. And I actually thought Florida Atlantic deserved that spot when they were in it and not Charleston. And I think they proved that during this tournament. Yeah, it's crazy to think, like, just survive and advance one game at a time. Like, you, they lose, they win that game by by one point, then they, you know, they get through this this fairly Dickinson team, and then they, they, they keep going down and just keep shocking the world. And then I think a lot of people saw that when Purdue went down, like, oh, this region's wide open. Who, anybody could take this. I know there were some teams like, you know, Duke and Kentucky, Marquette, licking their lips a little bit, thinking, wow, well, here we go. But, uh, no, the Owls are – it's a great story. Former IU basketball manager, Dusty May, uh, just really rolling through. I can't imagine also that he'll be on the move uh, some sometime soon to a, to a power five school, I would assume, but maybe he's got some brand loyalty to him. Who knows? But yeah, uh, the owls are uh, story of the tournament. They're amazing. Um, they're great. Nothing to say about. And uh, I think both of us, we did pick them over Memphis round one. I think maybe if I wasn't a Purdue fan, I would have possibly taken them round two, but likely not. I mean, hindsight is always tough to tell. But also, I mean, it is a cool story. Obviously, former IU basketball manager, and he's been all around just being an assistant as well, uh, Mr. May. And also, a ton of their recruits are Indiana-based as well. John L. Davis, their best player, yeah. um, is an indie guy. 
So a lot of just sort of Indiana basketball infused in that team as well, which I love because it's just it's so random that they're at, all at Florida Atlantic of all these schools. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. All the credit to them; they they deserve everything there, and uh, really cool to see down the stretch. Um, past that, some other first round games were decent in this bracket too. I did enjoy uh, the Kentucky Providence game, obviously, just because of Bryce Hopkins and, and sort of his you know relationship to Kentucky in the past. I thought that Duke and Oral Roberts was going to be a really good one. You and me it, both, man. Yeah, it turned out to be one of the least watchable games of the tournament. Um, Max Amos, he, he didn't play well. Oral Roberts as a whole kind of just got absolutely blown out. So that was disappointing. But yeah, this region had a, had a lot to offer. Any other games that kind of stood out for you, first round or, or past? Like you said, I w- a lot of people were picking that Oral Roberts upset. I think I said on this podcast that, this Oral Roberts team was better than the 15 seed team that they were back in the day. They did not perform. Uh, that was tough. I, they were not in the game at, at, at any point. They went on, Duke started off, I think on an 11 0 run. Uh, yeah. They were not in it whatsoever. Um, the Tennessee Louisiana game was really fun. Yeah. Tennessee really tried to choke it away at the end. A big Rick Barnes happened in the second half um, <laughs> where they almost soiled it. The raging Cajuns came back with a fury. They survived barely. And then I think they remembered that going forward because, boy, did they have an unexpected performance moving forward. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, uh, again, all these teams kind of took care of business. The USC-Michigan State game was pretty fun. Uh, Izzo showed up in March. I know a lot of people liked the USC play there. Um, but, man, those 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 guards just kind of popped off. Walker had a tremendous game. Hogard had a good game. Kansas State, Marquette took care of business. Nothing really out of the ordinary there. And yeah, it was a good first round. I agree. I I did pick the Raging Cajuns, um, and they almost squeaked it out for me. That was that was a good first rounder, I think for sure. Yeah. I thought, yeah, MSU. I mean, Boogie Ellis. They kind of just focused. I feel like their defensive strategy on him entirely, and kind of. I think they held him under ten points or something. Yeah. Um. So shout out Izzo. I mean, Mr. March, and we can definitely move on to the second round and past here because I think that's where this bracket did get a lot more interesting. You mentioned Tennessee. I mean, I don't think anybody saw what they did to Duke coming at all. No. Kind of just shut them down from start to beginning. Um, and Duke, I mean, one of the more high-powered offenses, I would say, at least on paper. I mean, all the recruits they had, they were playing so well at the end of the year, was on a massive winning streak. And Tennessee was kind of the opposite. Like, they lost Ziegler. All they really can, can do is play defense. They don't have a ton of offense. And uh, they, they shut down Shire and his boys, so... Shout out Rick Barnes. I think pretty much everybody, including me, counted them out um, almost from the start of this tournament just because yep. of that secret injury. But yeah, really came around that game specifically and, and proved everybody wrong, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Um, that was one of my big misses for sure because I was also one of those doubters against Tennessee. So that that was that was incredible. Kansas State, once again, uh, I'll, I'll be talking a lot about Kansas State as we go forward, but yeah. Man, taking care of business against Kentucky. That was a really fun game to watch. Um, I was watching that in a bar and there were like four Kentucky fans there and uh, just watching them just get depressed and leave. Made me, made me a little happier that IU had lost the day before. So, or that night, I think they lost that night. Maybe I can't remember. And then I think the big surprise, everyone was really high on Marquette going into this tournament. I don't know if we, were you, I don't remember, were you high on them or were you kind of like, I think they're overseeded? I actually picked uh, Michigan State to beat them. That's probably with Furman, my best pick of the tournament, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went the same way. I picked Michigan State here, which, which panned out yeah. really well. So, yeah, again, Izzo and Marsh. I mean, and then they gave Kansas State a game. Izzo said they won, quote, 
it was lucky. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about that, but uh, but man, th- that was a really fun game. Kansas State, Michigan State was was super fun. Kansas State played just a bunch of fun games this tournament, and they had one of the more awesome plays of the, of uh, Coach Tang yeah. uh, waving his arms ferociously uh, get with uh, Marquise Noel, and then just throwing the oop. People are saying, you know, was it was that how I drew it up, or did that just happen to work out? I think they drew it up. I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was great. There's been like a lot of debate on whether that was a set play or not. I think it definitely was. And it, it just, it had to do with Michigan State's defense. Obviously, their guards, they play high when, you know, they have, you have the ball at the top. And I think Marquis just recognized that. And then probably in a timeout, they're like, okay, next time we're just going to, you know, start in this set. If they're doing the same thing, we're just going to chuck it over the top. So I think it, yeah. it was set up a little bit. But I mean, Marquis Noel's instincts. Just passing the ball, unbelievable. unbelievable. Um, obviously, he, he's going to get a couple hoopies, I think, later on. But, I mean, he put up, what, a 20-point, 19-assist game against uh, MSU. He wasn't overtime, so it does, you know, pad his stats a little bit. But unbelievably ridiculous. That game specifically, I think, is my favorite game of the tournament. In this bracket, I think, offered a lot of those. Kentucky, Kansas State, uh, Michigan State, Marquette was a, just an absolute battle. Uh, FAU Memphis off the top, even FAU Fairleigh Dickinson was a battle. So much to love. I think this was probably the most entertaining bracket by far. But yeah, Kansas State, I kind of wish that they did go to the Final Four. That team, I think specifically, maybe deserves it, you know, but FAU is awesome too. But just Noel and that Keontae Johnson, their connection throughout the tournament, um, which is something special to watch. And, and Jerome Tang in the locker room, uh, you know, Kind of making a name for himself, which I love for the K-State program. I, I hope they continue, um, and they'll probably hit the transfer portal extremely hard, losing a couple guys, obviously. Um, yeah, it was really cool to see them make a deep run. As long as we get to see more little baby locker room videos, that's that's <laughs> fine by me. That's all we need. If if we get that, yeah, I, I agree with you there. <laughs> um, but awesome. Comparing uh, what happened to our original predictions, I did have Purdue in the Elite Eight, obviously. But I did have K-State with them, and um, I believe you had K-State as well, correct? That is correct. Uh, and the only difference for me was I had Duke there instead of uh, Purdue. I mean, that top part of the bracket was by far, I think, the most unpredictable. Tennessee yeah. and FAU, I don't know if anybody had those two uh, meeting up in the Sweet 16. Not so, I. Yeah, I'd say we did pretty good there. And uh, just talking about our biggest hits and misses, uh, obviously Purdue was, was my biggest miss. But moving past that uh, super quickly – Oral Roberts was probably my biggest miss in the tournament. Again, you even said you were hyping him up in our in our show. I, I had them going to the the Sweet Sixteen, um, so I was very high on them. And uh, you know, them getting massacred first round was was a bit of a tough thing to, to swallow. Um, but past that, what I was on, you know, on top of I mentioned it, Michigan State. We both made that pick as well. And then FAU first round, I feel like was a bit unpopular too. So a couple good picks there, but. Yeah, any any uh, significant other hits or misses for you? Pretty similar. Um, I had Purdue in the Sweet 16, but so I had Purdue and Duke playing in the Sweet 16. So Duke and Purdue were probably my biggest hits for sure. Um, other than that, the I mean, other than Purdue losing in the first round, all my I got all my first round picks, which was nice. Um, don't know how I did that, but I, but I did. And yeah, I just had I had a I had Kansas State in the in the Final Four, which was which hurt. So other than that, not too bad. Uh, yeah. Those my biggest misses just Duke and Purdue. Yeah, not terrible. Well, awesome. Let's uh, keep it rolling wrong and uh, hand out some hoopies, baby. Uh, I actually kick us off because I already mentioned uh, I was going to give it to him anyways. 
but I'm giving it to Marquise Noel as the best player in the region. Um, just electric stuff. His passing ability, even in uh, I mean the Montana State game, he did play well, but specifically in the second round game too against Kentucky, sort of the the no look lobs that he was throwing, kind of uh, he went behind the back on on one play in transition. Next play, he went in between the legs in transition, and the next one he throws a no look lob. Um, just disgusting, disgusting stuff. And being one of those people who like watches, you know, white chocolates passing highlights at 3 a.m., um, <laughs> it'll add something to the repertoire. So have to shout him out. Also, he's five freaking eight. Absolutely. I don't know how this guy's so good, but get him in the NBA as soon as possible for me. Yeah. Who are you giving the hoopy out to? Right. Minds think alike. I'm giving it to Marquise Noel as well. Um, he's just one of those guys. I get big Carson Edwards vibes from him during this tournament. Yeah. Um, he was just on fire. He was awesome to watch. And and yeah, everything, everything you said, I echo all your sentiments. He, he was such, such fun to watch and we'll have like a, a March Madness career, much like Carson Edwards, where you just be like, man, I wish I could see him play more in like a final four game. So yeah. Really awesome. Awesome. Shout out Marquise. Uh, come on the pod for sure. Um, best on that. Let's hand out a couple more hoopies. Who, who are you giving best coach in this region? Well, you would think I would do dusty may, but I'm just, I'm going to give it to Jerome Tang. Just because Kansas State was picked to be finished, you know, towards the bottom of the Big 12 and they got all the way up here to the Elite Eight. I think he's just coached. He's just got all these transfers and has really, really got them in. And then I think the little, the little baby videos are just really I'm, I'm biased towards them. So I just love watching watching him clap it up with with the players in the locker room and dance it out. So Jerome Tang, I think the the, the answer might be Dusty May, but I'm going Jerome Tang. Both very, very good picks, and um, I did go for somebody different. I actually went with uh, the Izzo, Mr. Nice. Tom Izzo. Um, it is, there's an asterisk next week because, as you mentioned, um, he complained about lucky shots. Marquise <laughs> Noel, he did bank in a three, which is a little bit lucky, but come on, Tommy, take it like a champ. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think he represented the Big Ten here, You know, unlike anybody else in the Big Ten because they all lost early, obviously, but kind of being the only team in the Sweet 16 from the Big Ten – it's kind of just a cool thing and it's it's the most Izzo thing I've ever seen. So had a shout out Tommy. I think um they if they get past that K-State game as well, I think they have a, a very serious shot of going to the final four. So I mean he's right, just a couple bounces, a couple shots away. Obviously, that was a, an overtime game that came down to pretty much the last possession. So shout out to him. I don't know if he had as good as talent as he's ever had, but still the health coach, I think. So yeah. absolutely. Love that. Awesome. And then moving on, of course, to the, the best uniform hoopies. I just had one pick for this region and it was the, it is going to be the Providence Friars. I don't know. There's just something about the, the black aways that they have that I think are extremely underrated. I even like their little weird Friar logo that they have on there as well. Maybe the <laughs> only one, in that. but I'm, I'm going to give them the best hoopie because they probably are not going to get, you know, any other hoopies at any other time, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of similar vein. I'm just going to give mine to Vermont. Just because nice. I, yeah, I like their, I like those, those, those dark green jerseys that they wear sometimes. So, yeah, yeah. shout out the Catamounts. Love it. Yeah. Catamounts, uh, not a very well known cat. And Vermont, also not a very well known team for some reason. Awesome wrap up on that region. Let's kick it over to the Midwest, wow. um, which was a fun one, I think. And not as, you know, unpredictable as, um, you know, obviously the, uh, the East or otherwise. But I think still had a lot of fun moments. Some of my favorite first round games. First off, that Xavier Kennesaw State game. Yeah. Down um, to a lot closer than I thought it would have been. 
Kennesaw State was actually up double digits pretty much the entire second half until, uh, you know, a pretty much unstoppable run. I think it was almost at 20 to nothing at one point from Xavier, who did play well in, in, in games past this as well. So shout out to Big East. I think definitely overperformed there. But past that, another one I wanted to shout out off the top two was the Pitt Panthers, who I don't yeah. think we gave much love to uh, on this show early on. Nope. But again, they just annihilated Iowa State. Possibly had something to do with Iowa State literally not being able to hit like more than five shots the entire second half. Yeah, uh, well, he had something to do with it, but shout out the Pitt Panthers. I, th- I think they showed out in this tournament and, uh, you know, proved some people wrong too. Yeah, I've got the Xavier game marked down too. Um, you know, Sean Beller figured out how to sweat it out, pun intended, and and, and got it done. Uh, so so shout out to them. Shout out Penn State. Um, I was, I was low on them just because I thought the magic was over. It was not. Holy cow, they had a hell of a shooting performance, mostly funk. Uh, was yeah. it 10 threes? Something I crazy like so. that? Unbelievable. Yeah, you couldn't shoot that uh, that well if you tried. So it, just incredible performance there. Texas A&M had absolutely no chance uh, in that game. And then just because this will be the last time that I can mention it and Trace Jackson Davis, shout out to the Indiana-Kent State game, getting past that upset pick from people. And then I think they – lost all their magic on that game and they're like okay we we proved everyone wrong we didn't get upset let's go get beat by miami so shout out trace jackson davis hell of a game hell of a career and uh yeah here's to next season tamar bates in the portal i saw that yeah yeah tamar bates gone also i think i forgot to mention earlier but uh kirk crease i saw that he was visiting uh nebraska i believe this weekend or maybe boy So that would be interesting. But yeah, the IU game, that was actually a pretty solid first round game, I think. Um, obviously, Trace is a IU legend, uh, even from a Purdue fan, can't deny that. So fun team. But I mean, that Miami squad, that Miami Drake game was actually closer than I thought it would be as well. Yeah. Um, pretty much there weren't too many upsets in this region, uh, especially round one. Pretty much everybody won who's supposed to, other than Pitt. But I mean, Iowa State's Iowa State. You really have no idea what you're going to get with them, I feel like. And then Penn State, like you mentioned, was the other massive one. I think AM kind of just got like the worst seeding possible. And then along Definitely. with that, like the worst draw possible. I mean, yeah. I mean with Funk Man throwing up 10 threes in the game, I don't <laughs> think anybody's beating them that day. So kind of just tough for the SEC in that stance, just because everybody else kind of did play really well from the SEC and AM seemed to be the cream of the crop in a sense. Um, yeah, a lot of fun first round stuff. Past that. Talking about later in, in the bracket and everything like that. One of my favorite games, actually, and it's probably one that doesn't come to mind for a lot of people. It's actually the uh, Houston-Auburn game. It was another early game on, on one of the weekends. And uh, it was just a sasser, complete takeover. Yeah. Uh, I think Auburn was up, I don't know, maybe 10 at half. And then Marcus Sasser figured it out and stuck around, I believe, six or seven threes in the second half. And they, have, they ended up winning by almost 20 which at that point I was a little bit worried um, going into the Miami game um, after that, but a lot of fun stuff in this. I think possibly this was the deepest bracket, which is kind of why all the higher seeds kept moving on. Mm-hmm. Obviously the, they, I mean, the sweet 16, excuse me, ended up being the one, five, two and three seeds all respectively. Obviously IU was the four, but I guess your, your thoughts kind of on that game too. I mean, with Nigel Pack just, Shocking three, same with Isaiah Wong and, and Jordan Miller and Omir just playing out of their minds down low. I feel yeah. like I couldn't really have done too much better. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. IU has this history of 
playing these teams like in the second round that just like are one of those teams that get hot and just yeah. keep going. Like, you know, when we were the one seed, we played a Syracuse team that got to the, the final, the final four, you know, we, we lost to a Wichita state team that made the final four that one year. We lost to, uh, when the Yogi Ferrell year 2016, you know, we lost to North Carolina. They shot the ball out of their minds, made the, the, the runner up, they were runner up of the final four national Artist championship paid. game that year. Yeah. Shooting out of their mind. So, you know, it happens sometimes. And just, if you can't hit shots, you're just not going to do it. I, you couldn't get it done. And it was just a complete, they, they made a little run. They, uh, they came out of the half and they got up at one point and then yeah. Jim Laranega just showed his experience maybe a little bit and just got his guys to rally up and then they, they got the job done. So it's tough to see, but I just am happy to see that Miami is still marching on. So that makes you feel a little better about oh, yeah. taking that L. So I feel like that makes you feel a lot better in hindsight. Uh, um, obviously the, the night of the game, it's always going to sting a little bit, but yeah, I mean, that Miami team's ridiculous. Um, they kind of have a thing too, where early in the second half, the other team would always make a run. It was similar in the Houston game as well. And then just out of nowhere, they kind of just pile on as many three pointers as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, really fun Miami team to watch. Just a bad draw for you, I feel like. Um, but past that, Texas was my other kind of main point uh, of kind of team to watch in this bracket. I mean, Houston too, obviously this this bracket stacked. But the Longhorns, I feel like every game they were in was a bit of a battle other than the first round game. Colgate wasn't bad. Shout out, um, obviously, Aiden, who's on our previous show. You really like Colgate money line. They didn't have, you know, the wits to stand against Texas, I don't think. But their oh. second round game against Red Hot Penn State was a really good one. Then past that too, Xavier put up a fight. And um, that Elite Eight matchup against Miami, I think those may be the best two teams in this entire tournament, question mark. I think Texas is probably the one team who didn't make the Final Four who probably deserves it the most. Um, just the way Serge Jabari Rice was playing, especially, I mean, against Colgate, I think he had like eight threes or seven threes as well, which is insane to watch. But their offense really came alive. Dylan DeSue getting hurt, I believe it was either round one or two, really hurt them. Although Christian Bishop did play really well against Miami, I think having a little bit more depth in the front court um, kind of hurt their chances against the Hurricanes. But yeah, all in all, this may have been the best basketball in, in the entire tournament in this region. So yeah, I agree. definitely fun. Let's uh, keep moving along here and um, compare our original predictions. I actually was dead on with this one, which we will not say again. Oh, nice. But yeah, I had Miami and Texas both. I feel like nobody really picked Miami over Houston. That's that's a pretty crazy pick, I feel like. But yeah, what, what was your original Elite Eight? Uh, my Elite Eight was, it was Houston, Texas. I can't read my own bracket, okay. right? I was like, what? Um, yeah, I had Houston getting past Miami. But yeah, I mean, just the, again, the red hot Miami just really took control. But yeah, I had, but then I had, uh, I had Texas in my, no, I had Houston winning that game. So that was a big miss for me. Um, so, but yeah, other than that, I did not have a, a, a very ideal bracket. I guess big misses for me. I had Drake over Miami in that first game. So that Ooh. was a huge miss for me. So gotcha. very tough there. I had Iowa state making it up pretty far. Cause it was one of those teams where I was like, everyone's doubting them. They'll make a run. They did not. So that was a miss for sure. Other than that, not too, not too bad. You know, I got the, uh, I got the Auburn over Iowa pick. I doubted the big 10. That was pretty nice. Um, nice. So I got that right. That was the only two matchups that I had, right. was Houston Auburn. All the others were not correct in the slightest. So gotcha. yeah, Drake was the big miss there. Yeah. And I mean, that, that was kind of similar to, I feel like you always want to pick a 12 
I don't believe any 12s won, did they? Which is pretty crazy uh, for Texas. VCU as well. I was kind of a surprise. But anyways, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat as you. My biggest misses were surrounded around Iowa teams for some reason. Uh, So just don't trust that corn state, I guess. But uh, yeah, I feel like that Iowa State win against Baylor in the Big 12 tournament, in hindsight, is kind of more telling for, for Baylor's tournament run. And maybe not an indicator that, oh, Iowa State's not that bad. Because, Pitt, I mean, they, they had their way with them. And past that, I did pick Iowa to beat Auburn round one. I don't know why. Because also, it, it was basically a home game for Auburn, which I didn't realize um, before as well. So, yeah, Auburn at home is actually pretty good, too. So, in hindsight, another bad pick. But some good hits for me. I mean, Miami, obviously, was a massive stick. Really the only thing that's going to possibly win me that bracket challenge um is the hurricanes so shout out to everybody on their team i mean they're starting five like i mentioned in the past show i think legitimately is probably the best in the country but yeah past that but oh and uh obviously i picked kent state over uh indiana as well just out of spite mostly and um you know came back to you know karma came back pretty quickly on that yeah. didn't hurt so you next, too bad yeah, yeah so, so next year when i use the tournament i'm gonna pick one to win the first round and uh understood hope- yeah, hopefully Purdue will win the first round as well, but still probably not. Um, but anyways, let's move on to some hoopies. Uh, who, who's your player of the uh, the region here, Corey? Nigel Pack, baby. Um, yeah. I'm high on the high on the Miami team, just like you. And if I could have seen past, if I could have put the blinders on and said, oh, what, if they played IU, could this Miami team get far on the back of Nigel Pack? And the answer would have been yes. But the Hoosiers, the Hoosier blinders came on. Um, he's been carrying this team through this through this tournament um, with the help, obviously, of Isaiah Wong has also helped tremendously. But I think really it's led by Nigel Pack. So I like the Pac-Man and I've got him with the hoopy here. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, the Pac-Man. I mean, he really could not miss against IU and uh, one of the best shooters in the country by far. So I backed that up a lot. I actually went with a different hurricane here. I went with Jordan Miller, the unsung of Miami. Um I mean, he, he really just does anything that they need him to do. He's really unstoppable down low. He's kind of got that that Timmy footwork of he'll spin one way, he'll spin the other, and then just yam all over you. Uh, crazy athletic, can chuck the three as well. Um, just a really versatile player, and I think, you know, fits exactly what they needed uh, at every point in the tournament. So shout out Jordan Miller. I think Larry, he called him the most underrated player in the country as well. Uh, I mean, I like that quote a lot. Yeah. That Texas game, he damn near put up 30 on like 100% field goal percentage. So. He didn't miss he a shot. So. Did not miss. I don't. <laughs> and from the line too, he's like twelve for twelve or or something crazy. So uh, yeah, he didn't shoot a he didn't shoot a three. But man, I mean, he was efficient, man. So yeah, shout out to Jordan him. That guy's crazy good. Uh, yeah. Let's move along to the coaches. I'll start us off here actually. Sure. And uh, shout out Rodney Terry, obviously Texas coach. I'll tell you what they they made him the interim coach. Obviously, a long, long time ago when Chris Beard was uh, finally fired. Um, after a long deliberation for some reason. Um, but he took over the reins, and, and they were ridiculously good. I think they should have given him an extension a long time ago. They finally just did, I believe, this week, give him like a five-year deal. So yeah. shout out to him. He, he clearly deserves that a lot. Um, yeah, he, he's got to be my coach of, of this region. Larinaga, you know, kind of an old man. I feel like he's got a lot of help from his, his assistants at times. <laughs> um, so I, I gave the, the nod to Terry here. Again, shout out Coach Larinaga. I think he's like the 17th coach to take two separate teams to the Final Four or something. I think I read that stat somewhere on that George Mason run also. Early date, maybe it was. was. Um, but uh, yeah, I got Rodney Terry too. 
Um, I mean, just a hell of a job, as you said, that giving him the full-time position was well-deserved and shouldn't happen a long time ago. I don't know if you saw his his post-game presser after the uh, after the loss in the Elite Eight, but he was just like, yeah, I'm going to go to these guys' weddings. I love these guys forever. I was like, yeah, this is that's who you wanted behind the behind the wheel there. So, yeah, Roddy yeah. Terry's got mine too. And shout out for him being a Breaking Bad character as well. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Those boils hermanos. I, I saw that on Twitter uh, <laughs> a lot, and I love that beat. But uh, yeah, shout out Gus Bring. Uh, but perfect. Let's kick it along here to our last region, and that would be out west, west coast baby. And yeah. um, this one was maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if boring is a word. I wouldn't call it that. But maybe on paper, the most boring. Not a ton of first round upsets, I would say. A couple of small things I did want to mention off the top. First off, the of course the one sixteen matchup is a fun one, and um, I mentioned it already. But Aiden Cotter on our original show for some reason really liked the the first half point spread of Howard Kansas. I heard somebody Howard first half plus eleven and a half. Kansas <laughs> kind of got shell shocked by Texas. Yeah, um, I think getting Bill, Bill Self back, kind of getting his feet wet. I could see Howard kind of making it a game early, but once again, I would not be surprised if they ended up beating them by 30 points in the second half. But I, I like Howard in the first half against Kansas just to cover an 11 and a half point spread. And I'll tell you what, Howard actually covered that by one point. Oh, so nice. Shout out, <laughs> Aiden. Yeah, uh, how he knew that was going to happen. But the Bison pulled it out. Yeah, any, any first round matchups that, that stood out for you here? Well, I think the, the surprising one was, I think we were high on VCU. Uh, I think Aiden really talked us into VCU, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but St. Mary's kind of came and took care of business um, against them. Um, so shout out to them. The, really, the the best game of this, there there were really two that really stuck out to me, was the TCU-Arizona State game. Yeah. That game was a lot of fun, and that was a back-and-forth game. And then the Northwestern-Boise State game was also fun, just, just because just watching the Magic of the Wildcats was fun. But uh, other than that, like you said, it was kind of a – not the most exciting region because all the other games were kind of massive blowouts and, you know, yeah. your Yukons and your Gonzaga's and your UCLA's um, and your Kansas's. So other than that, I guess the Arkansas Illinois game was kind of fun, but that's just two teams I really don't like. So I didn't enjoy that game, but I guess it was a win-win because one team lost and one team won. Yeah. But, but yeah, Arkansas got the job done there. I picked Illinois in that game. So mm. that's tough, but yeah. Uh, that was like the one where I was like, yeah, I'll believe in the Big Ten right here. No, not the case. So <laughs> Wrong time to do yeah. it. Uh, yeah, so the first region was was yeah, was yeah was pretty okay. Yeah. The first round, there's nothing too crazy. That TCU-Arizona State game was pretty electric. Um, Mike Miles down the stretch was unbelievable. And obviously ending um, just in an incredible fashion on a buzzer beater, in a sense. I, not technically, I don't think a buzzer beater. A little bit of time left, but yeah. Spiritual that was buzzer beater. Arizona State was just shooting the lights out, which they had done in the first four as well. So a really fun matchup there. But yeah, past that, like you said, I mean, kind of just blue bloods doing what you expect them to do in the first round. Uh, I, I did like the Hogs in that 8-9 matchup. That was probably the toughest one to predict. And I think the, the Boise State, they actually put up uh, quite a fight as well, possibly a, a little bit under, under siege, I think. But Northwestern, that's a tough draw for a seven. And um, moving on to the second round and, and past that as well. I think Northwestern drawing any other two seed other than UCLA, I kind of really like their chances. Um, so it kind of just sucks they were stuck in this bracket. Past that, there were a couple of games I definitely wanted to talk about, obviously. Yeah. 
Arkansas over Kansas. This, this region got a lot crazier as it went along. Arkansas Definitely. obviously taking down top seed of Kansas. I think that's one of the games of the tournament too. Mm-hmm. And then another one that we have to throw out off the bat too is Gonzaga UCLA. Yeah. We mentioned it in our show. Of course, the rematch of that iconic Jalen Suggs game. And Gonzaga got another iconic moment from it, from one of their guards chucking in threes. But yeah, what were your thoughts on those games? Yeah, I think uh, for me, the Gonzaga-UCLA game was uh, pending other games was the game of the tournament. Just a lot of history and then a lot of baggage there. A revenge game of sorts for UCLA. Gonzaga looking to prove something. And yeah, it just came down to a a Jay Wright-Villanova play to draw up and just to to chuck the shot. Swather, good God, that was from the logo. (laughs) Like a, a ballsy, ballsy play. So fun. Hobby Hawkes down the stretch was unstoppable. They couldn't guard him. He just drove yeah. to the lane, got whatever he wanted towards the end. That momentum was crazy going forward. But at the end of the day, Gonzaga still somehow managed to pull it off and, and, and get there. Um, so that was definitely a game to look out for. The Kansas-Arkansas game was hilarious just because the must bust, Eric Musselman, just ripping his shirt off to beat <laughs> Kansas after, you know, just making it to the Sweet 16. When that happened, I was like, oh, this guy's about to get pummeled in the next round. Yeah. So that was rough to see. That was a lot to see. And it just makes <laughs> you think like, you know, if Bill Self were in this were in this tournament coaching at all, if it would, it would have been different. Um, because everyone suspected he would be coaching in this matchup and would have assuredly been, I think, in the sweet sixteen game coaching. But uh we didn't get to see that. So so the defending champs go down. And then other than that, I thought this region was Yukon's just Every yeah. game they played, they're pummeling their opponents. Not even close. The biggest surprise was just the Gonzaga UConn game. It was got out of hand really fast, out of nowhere, and just brutal. UConn just owned this region. That was something I want to touch on as well. I mean, they kind of just got red hot at the right time. I mean, yeah. we were talking about in, in the preview show of, you know, this team at one time was, uh, you know, the number one team ranked in the country. And I don't know if they can live up to that. I'll tell you what they did. Um, Jordan Hawkins, the, the guards finally found their way, I think. Obviously, surrounding around Sunogo, they have a lot of good players, but kind of just everybody, like I said, really did get red hot, and uh, they blew everybody out of this this region, which was completely unexpected for me. Um, but yeah, the UCLA Gonzaga game is a classic. Drew Timmy really took advantage of a couple of injuries too. Uh, the UCLA starting center Bona was out, which uh, and then they were kind of short staffed trying to guard Timmy. And for some reason, Mick Cronin decided to not double team him the entire game. So I think he had like 38, 40 points, somewhere in that range, uh, which is pretty awesome to see. And kind of UCLA's injuries, I think, screwed him. Jalen Clark, obviously, was a massive loss. And then losing their starting center right before they play Gonzaga doesn't help too much either. But, yeah, you know, I wish we could run this back with UCLA healthy because that UCLA, um, UConn, I think, would have been a much better matchup than what we got with Gonzaga. Yeah. but yeah, regardless, shout out to the Huskies, uh, the the boy, the unknown Hurley, as I call him, not Bobby, but Danny. Yeah, he's a really good coach, I think, and he's got a really fun personality. It'll be good to see him and uh, Larry Nega, you know, join up in the final four. I think that like just pregame will be super fun. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Huskies again, kind of just a team that I don't think many people saw coming. Basically, every final four team this year but really fun to watch down the stretch. And they really did just beat the crap out of anybody they saw. So shout out to them. Let's talk about our original predictions. I'll start us off because I was way off. I, uh, in my elite eight, I originally had uh, the Kansas Jayhawks facing off against the TCU Horn Frogs. Ooh. was maybe a little bit too high on the Horn Frogs coming in. I do still really like their roster. 
and I think they they had a good showing in this tournament. Kind of just a really tough draw. Uh, Gonzaga obviously is not going to be an easy out with Drew Timmy in his last year, and they would have had to get past a UCLA as well, who, who I think performed much better than I thought going in. But uh, yeah, what was your original uh, Elite Eight prediction? Uh, so my Elite Eight was UConn Gonzaga. Actually, I I nice. somehow, somehow managed that. I don't know how. It was because just. I went with the the Gonzaga fever in the UCLA game. I didn't go for the revenge storyline. I just went with the Drew Timmy storyline, yeah. um, which helped me out. So yeah, I, I got that right. But I mean, at your Horn Frogs, they 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 made that Gonzaga game a game. Like it was what a three point game when it came down yeah. to it. So like it was a battle the whole time. But yeah, just the on the backs of Timmy and, and Swather and guys like that, they 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 pushed through. But yeah, I was happy with my Elite Eight picks, but I had the yeah. wrong. Final four pick. I had Gonzaga going, which was a bummer. So Dang. that's yeah. brutal. That's yeah. the worst when you have two elite, you have both elite eight teams, but then you pick the final four. That's what we did. Uh, oh, that's what I did for Creighton as well. So yeah, tough. tough but yeah, a couple of good sticks. My biggest hits here, I mean, obviously everything in the first round, but I did have uh, UConn and, and UCLA in the Sweet 16. This nice. was my biggest miss of a bracket, I would say. Past that, I pretty much got everything wrong. But yeah, it sounded like you pretty much had everything spot on other than must bus, obviously, um, which uh, we'll, we'll get to later. But uh, do you have any like massive uh, hits or misses or anything? No, the UConn Gonzaga has really, really treated me well. Just the big hits were were VCU, I guess. Um, actually, that wasn't a really big hit because I just had VCU losing the next game, so that was okay. I guess the Kansas was a big hit because I had them in the Sweet 16, eventually losing to UConn, and then I had Illinois playing Kansas. So that was just a, that wasn't a good pick either. But other than that, I also picked Boise State against uh, Northwestern. But nice. Other than that, everything else kind of rolled. So yeah, like I said, kind of a boring bracket first round, but yeah, a little bit craziness after that. Uh, but awesome. Let's move into the hoopies. Our last, well, actually not our last hoopies, but our last ones for past people. Who are you giving the best player in the, in this region? I'm giving this one to Sonogo. I had to give it to a Husky, but the, Sonogo just really took over these games um, when it came down to it. Really bodied people, uh, got a bunch of buckets. And and yeah, I think he just benefited again from just being surrounded by a bunch of great players and and getting hot at the right time. But uh, but yeah, I'm giving mine to Adama Sonogo. Love that. And uh, yeah, like you said, you could really give it to, I think, anybody on UConn. Um, I did have Sonogo and Hawkins um, in my honorable mentions. And um, yeah, shout out Andre Jackson as well. He's kind of the guy that he's kind of like, uh, I can probably find an IU comparison as well, but he's kind of like Ethan Morton of, uh, you know, UConn, sure. uh, kind of the guy who, you know, if, if you're going to pick a guy to shoot a shot, you're going to pick, you know, Andre Jackson. But I'll tell you what, this guy, he came into the tournament with a chip on his shoulder. He said, if you're going to leave me open, I'm going to chuck it. And he did that from the first game, which I love. And actually in their elite eight matchup, he almost had a triple double kind of just popped off and uh, you know, the unexpected unsung hero, Jordan Miller type of UConn. So a shout out him as well. I am going to uh, unfortunately give my hoopy to Drew Timmy. Um, there we go. Just for that UCLA game alone, uh, prime entertainment as well. Every time he scores, it's, it's a celebration, which, you know, if I was playing against him, I probably wouldn't like, but watching it on TV, it, it, it's pretty fun to watch. So Shout out, Timmy. You know, go enjoy your time in Greece or whatever you're going. But <laughs> thanks for the ride. While we had it. Uh, but perfect. Let's move on to uh, the Hoopy best coach. I'll kick us off because I know you're not going to like this pick. But I'm going to oh. give it. I'm going to give it to the Muscle Man. <laughs> oh, there it is. 
<laughs> and again, just for that single moment of <laughs> him taking his shirt off and waving it around, it's just iconic. Like it's it's really cringy, and I don't like it. But I mean, we'll never forget it. And also, he did like the whole um, the pig chant, the suey chant, or whatever. Yeah. The whole crowd after that with his shirt off. So yeah, really good content I think going forward. But yeah, Muslim, it, it's a good win as well. I mean, for them to go to the Sweet Sixteen as many years in a row as they have at Arkansas, it's impressive, especially with their draw this year. But who, who are you giving the hoopy for the best coach here? On the flip side of that, I'm giving it to Danny Hurley because yeah. when they beat Arkansas, uh, Danny Hurley was thanking the fans, and Bill Murray was telling him to take his shirt off, <laughs> yeah. troll him, and you know what he didn't do? He didn't do it. So. <laughs> Uh, so shout out to him just for that, but also shout out to Bill Murray's son, uh, who's an assistant for UConn, just cause we get to see Bill Murray at March Madness games. I'll, yeah. I'll love that for as long as I can. I get to see Bill Murray at Cubs games and March Madness games. So I love it. So yeah, I'm giving it to Danny Hurley. They're just, they've really turned it on. You know, they struggled for a little bit there. They're a quick losing skid in mid season. People kind of were doubting them. They figured out how to play again. They really turned it on in March. So shout out Danny Hurley. Shout out Bobby Hurley too. Shout out the Hurley brothers. <laughs> Shout out all the Hurleys. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, perfect. Moving on to the last hoopy handout here. Best uniforms of the region. Uh, I'll kick us off again here. I got a couple. Uh, Arkansas Reds. I really like their ways. And uh, the, the Razorback logo is pretty good. I think you could do a little work on it, but I do like it. <laughs> and then my actual hoopy, I am going to give it to you though, is the VCU Blacks. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's sort of obviously the mid-majors have an advantage, I feel like, in this category, just because they're not going to be wearing the 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 home whites in all these games. But VCU Blacks, especially the, uh, the, the writing on their uniforms as well, I think is very underrated. Shout out the Rams, but yeah, they're going to get my hoopy here. Yeah, I'm giving mine to uh, the Arizona State uh, jerseys. Nice. The black with the maroon yeah. and gold streaks down the side, I thought looked looked really nice with the pitchforks. To, yeah, yeah. Great. Shout out the Sun Devils. I backed that completely. Well, awesome. And that will conclude our regional breakdowns. One last thing before we go into our final four predictions. I did want to present our all tournament teams, yeah. which I'm not even sure if they really do this. I think they, they, they possibly do, but it's mostly just people who are in the final four usually. Um, yeah. So I want to do it before then to kind of get, you know, the overall of all the regions of who we would have. Um, we can kind of go one by one here, or we can kind of sprint them all out, pretty much whatever you want, Carter. I'll throw it over to you first, though. Who, who's uh, who, who are you thinking are you know, deserving of the first first team of the tournament here? Uh, yeah, I'm wondering how many how many players will have overlap right. here. My Same first way. one, um, which I think you might have, because we both love this guy a lot, Marquise Noel. Um, I've got yeah. as the first addition on the team, just. Uh, just really tremendous. By the way, I'm going to say, you know, some, some conferences do like their, they're all conference teams and there's like eight players on the first team, all conference team. We're not doing that. I think we're picking no. five players. Hopefully thank <laughs> God we're not. Yeah. Frauds. Um. So yeah. Do you want to go back and forth? Mark or Marquise yeah, Noel is sure. my first. Do you have Marquise yeah, and, uh, my point guard as well as of course Marquise Noel. Nice. I feel like this is the, maybe the most obvious pick uh, of this team. But yeah. We've talked them up enough. Who, who's your second, uh, alternative then i had to pick one hurricane so uh i'm picking nigel pack as my as my addition i don't know if you're leaning that way but i've got nigel pack as my my other card he did just miss out on my team but unbelievably deserving i i think really you could throw in any miami players here and i'm That's not great. gonna argue with you yeah. um at my shooting guard i did uh throw in marcus sasser just nice. for 
that Auburn game pretty much alone. Yeah, um, just electric stuff from Sasser. And uh, yeah, I, I, is he a senior? I'm not actually sure. I, th- I think he is. But if not, I want to see that guy play a lot more basketball because just one of the purest jumpers I think um, you know I've seen in a while. So really enjoy uh, watching. He might have a COVID year. I don't know. But I think Hopefully. he is a senior. But we'll see. Yeah. Put him in, put him in the portal. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Portland. I'll take him. That's fine. I would take him. Um, we, we need a consistent shooter now that uh, Tamar Bates is gone, even though he wasn't a consistent shooter. So we'll take it. Anyway, um, my third uh, my third pick, uh, I am taking, since you, you hyped him up, I am taking Jordan Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Just for all the reasons you said earlier. I mean, he just shot the ball like a madman. So I'm going Jordan Hawkins here. And uh, he was slotted in at my small forward as well. Nice. So we're definitely thinking along the the same lines here. Love it. Uh, um, yeah, we we we've said everything about him as well, but really found his jumper, which is really fun to see. But yeah, one of the best shooters in the country too, which is a running theme with with our backcourts here. But moving on to the front court, who, who are you slotting into that power forward spot? Uh, I got my man. I got the stash. I got Drew Timmy here. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he what the first player with multiple double doubles in the tournament games? He had ten, or ten and ten in tournament games. I I read that stat, something like that. Yeah, but good for him. Right. Um, he had a yeah incredible performance in that UCLA game alone. So, I think that alone gets him in here on on worldly performance. So yeah, I got Timmy here. Yeah, he does make my list. I did actually slot him in at center. There we go. Um, so- to reveal my power forward, it is going to be Jordan Miller of the Miami Hurricanes. Nice. Um, like I said, mad underrated, and um, he had to make my list. At least one Miami person, I feel like, had to make my list too. And of course, I think he was the top performer, so I, I definitely want to throw him in there. But who who is uh, rounding out your five here, Carter? Who, who's your center? Well, I got. I guess I got Sonogo playing kind of a forward, so I guess maybe Drew Timmy is my center. But uh, there. but yeah, I got I got Sonogo here. Just that, yeah, I feel like that back court or that front court is tremendous stuff so so yeah um yeah so no go great picks all around that would be a very fun team to watch i think and uh shout out one honorable mention i did have a six man but we're not counting him officially so no worries there serge Barry rice off the there bench. he is yeah not fair it's not fair bringing him off the bench so i had to shout him out um but awesome let's move on to our final four predictions um so obviously the final four left. We got the first matchup of the FAU Owls against the San Diego State Aztecs, which is going to be a fun one. Um, I mean, obviously the defense of San Diego State has been dominant, but FAU they I feel like they're always down at half and they always come out on this crazy run. Uh, obviously led by Mel Davis. But yeah, I don't know. It could go either way there. And then of course as well the five seed Miami Hurricanes against the four seed UConn Huskies. Probably the the more important of the two games, I would say. Those are, in my eyes, the two hottest teams at this time. Uh, yeah, Kurt, what, what do you think? I mean, it's kind of a toss-up both ways, but what are your thoughts on these games? I'm getting real, like, Butler-Duke vibes from these matchups. So, yeah, so that. for that reason, I'm taking the Owls over San Diego State to get yes. to get to that Final Four game and to, you know, be that – the first, maybe perhaps the first nine seed to be in a position to win it. I think the highest seed to win the tourney was the Huskies. I think they were a seven seed back in the Shabazz Napier. I think they were the, uh, were they a seven seed or were they an eight seed? I don't remember. They but, were uh, seven. I think uh, Villanova in the eighties won. Oh, you're right. Eight they were an eight seed. You're right. They beat, uh, they beat Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Nine would be the highest. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I like the Owls getting there, especially cause you know, just, you know, a Cinderella mid-major team making it there. I feel like 
I feel like they're a team of destiny right now just to at least make it there. And then, man, it, it's a tough call, but because UConn and Miami, these teams are both so hot, but then just, it's just a coin flip. And I'm just going with, I'm just going with UConn just for the, uh, nice. here, I literally just went with point differential in the games that they've played. Miami's played a lot of close games. UConn hasn't. So I'm just going. Yeah. But you could argue the other way for Miami that they've played in close games and found a way to win. So if UConn's on a close game, then maybe there's trouble there. So I don't know. But it yeah. all depends if Miami could continue to shoot the ball lights out like they have been. UConn will rely heavily on their big men for sure. 100%. And um, with Miami being undersized, the, the big men matchups is massive. Yeah. Um, I haven't even mentioned, but uh, Omir, Miami Center, also has been playing really well. But the thing is about Miami, they don't have size and they don't really have a deep bench when it comes to their front court. So if Sonogo yeah. can get in foul trouble early, that's definitely trouble for the Hurricanes. Um, for me, I think we're on the same, wa- same wavelengths for the most part. I am going to also pick FAU uh, to move on, which I don't know. I feel like every San Diego State game, like before that game, I probably would have picked against them. Um mm-hmm. And I'm going to continue doing it. And they will probably continue to be wrong and win the entire <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah, how can you not love this this owl team? I think, and um, yeah, I, I think they are destined, like you, you said exactly, that Butler championship run, like just that iconicness of it. I think that the owls still have some magic left in them, so I'm gonna pick them in the UConn Miami game. It's tough. It's really tough, man. I'm gonna pick Miami. I'm gonna keep riding with my boys. Uh, I, I, feel like I can't really, turn, yeah, I can't really turn on them now. But like you said, I mean, in a sense you would think that UConn really hasn't been challenged, but it's just because they're beating the crap out of everybody. Yeah. So I don't know. I think this will be a close game, which may play to Miami's advantage, like you said, but I think it could come down to the last shot hundred percent. So yeah, obviously different matchups for us, but um, I'm going to go on a limb and say, possibly you're picking uh, UConn to win the whole thing. What, what do you think for the championship game? Yeah. I mean, I, I still think, you know, I think the Cinderella run, you know, it always comes to an end right here. We have yet to like really see that true. Even when these lower seed teams win, you know, it's, it's a Yukon or it's a Villanova. Like it's never, it hasn't yet been like the Butlers or like the Davidsons or the George Masons of the world or the VCUs. So, so I think Yukon gets it done. And I think that, I mean, geez, they'll have won like three or four national championships in a decade with three different coaches, if that happens. So that's pretty wild to must be uh, nice. Yeah, that would be really nice. So I think that if that happens, I don't know if we consider UConn a blue blood. I think that might cement them as a blue blood if they do it. In fact, they're on the outside looking in. But I mean, if they do that, they'll have as many wins as a lot of blue bloods who we consider blue bloods. So I'll go with that. Yeah. The UConn. 100%. All right. And uh, final score predictions uh, thrown out to all the sports betters out there? Uh, 77 to 70. Love it. I was. <laughs> Hanging around for sure. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fight. Perfect. And um, I'm going to do basically the exact same thing. I'm going to take Miami over FAU in the natty. And this this should be a fun game. I think it's it's more offense on – well, I guess, I mean, UConn's offense on offense too. It's kind of the entire mm-hmm. Final Four other than the Aztecs in a sense. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go for the final score of a 69-65 Hurricanes. Um, nice. Regardless of who wins any of these – uh, four teams will keep it close in the national championship. I feel like you have to, in a sense, just for the good of the, you know, the sport and the tournament and all that good stuff, but definitely going to be fun to watch down the stretch here. And we will hand out just like a couple of last awards here to wrap everything up. Uh, of course, we're going to hand out the hoopy, which we did predict 
uh, for the ne- most outstanding player of the Final Four at the beginning of uh, you know the tournament and everything. I'll start us off. I'm going to throw it over to Nigel Pack here. Didn't give him too much love on my all tournament team, but I think he's going to he's going to find his stroke here in Houston and uh, you know let the shooters shoot as they say. And uh, the the Pac Man's coming for you. So uh, yeah, I think he he has a very good shot of of winning it if uh, you know Miami does go that far. But uh, who who's your hoopy going to here? I agree. If Miami wins, if they beat UConn, I think Nigel Pack. If UConn wins, I think Sonogo. And I'm going Sonogo for me, just because I think if they can really use that size advantage well, and Sonogo takes over UConn, I I don't know if uh, FAU if they make it there can stop them. San Diego State might be able to, but I don't know if they're they're going to make it and watch. I mean, watch San Diego state win it all now that we've talked yeah. all this shit about him, but, but yeah, <laughs> I'm going with that. I think I picked Marcus Sasser before the tournament hindsight, not a terrible pick. Just didn't, didn't get, make it far enough to get this honor. So, so yeah, it's a no go for me. Hi, I believe him. I picked uh, Dewan and Dewan Harris jr. I believe from Kansas to win my, so a little bit off on that, but Sasser was a good pick definitely in, in hindsight. I agree. I think if, um, I don't know. I feel like if UConn wins it all, Sonoga would probably win by default. But I mean, looking at that matchup, of if San Diego State and UConn do end up being the the finale, I mean that's going to be an all up brawl for the national championship. So, yeah. yeah, I kind of like that a little bit more. Like FAU Miami is just straight offense, but UConn San Diego State is is a lot more fun. I feel like defensively to watch on that. So yeah. definitely something to look out for. Um, but cool. Yeah. Last award that we are going to hand out today, and uh, it's, it's one of my personal favorites. It's the Dante DiVincenzo Award. Uh, so we're going to shout out one player who we think is not necessarily the star player like Dante DiVincenzo was, but could pop off and drop like a 30 piece in the national championship or in just in the final four in general. I, I really am excited to hear your pick for, uh, for the DiVincenzo award court. You know, I just think it's hard because I think this guy is a star, but just because of the team he plays on, we don't consider him one. So I'm going John L Davis for FAU. Nice. I mean, he's, he has been playing well, but. I mean, he probably deserves a spot on our all-tournament team, but just because of the team he's on, I don't think we've given much respect to him. Uh, I mean, he's had great games. I mean, but given the teams he's played, I mean, he put up 30 on Farley Dickinson, which, you know, again, it's Farley Dickinson, so I don't really hold that in high regard. But, you know, he had 15 against Tennessee, 13 against Kansas State. Um, I feel like like it's trending downward for him, per se, and as the competition gets a little stiffer which means I think that he's really going to going to turn it on as soon as we we get to the big time. So I, I, I like a 30 piece from him when we get to the San Diego State game, maybe the final four or maybe the championship game. So that's my little DiVincenzo pick. I love it. Yeah, John L, um, completely underrated. I I don't know. The thing is with this FAU team, I don't know if they all should hit the transfer portal or like stay together. Like if May stays, I, I think the rest of them will as well. But yeah, he, yeah. he is really good. Um, awesome. My DiVincenzo, I'm going to hand it out to a hurricane and, uh, um, it's going to be something, somebody who we have not mentioned yet on this pod, but it may be my favorite player to watch on the team. And that is a Wooga, Wooga Poplar. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely makes the alternate team, uh, the alternate name team, excuse me. Uh, I mean, every time that guy shoots a shot, I'm, I'm yelling Wooga, Wooga, uh, undoubtedly. <laughs> But he's actually been playing really well, and he's one of the most athletic guys on the Miami roster. And if he does get hot from the perimeter, he 100%, I think, could drop 30 with without a question. Anybody on that starting five, really, you don't know who's going to be the best that night, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, shout out, Wooga. That will wrap up our Final Four predictions and as well our episode. 
um, you know, breaking down the tournament and all that good stuff. Carter, really, really appreciate you having me on again, obviously, man. I think this has been a really fun tournament. It was a really fun one to start this podcast around. Obviously, <laughs> had a ton to talk about, but yeah, really just enjoyed it, you know, all together, I'd say. Absolutely, man. I'm excited. We have a chance to, you know, we could get a, a, a new champion that's never won before, or we could get yep. someone who has won before. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it's been a blast, and I'm excited to be back with you to talk about a champion in a couple of weeks. Should be okay. fun. We will definitely be back discussing, um, you know, the results of of this insanity of a, of a tournament. But uh, yeah, really just do want to thank you guys for obviously listening. Pick and rule will be returning uh, sooner than you would probably think. But uh, yeah, past that, we'll wrap this up. Really appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, have a good one. Stay capping. Not Ooh. really. Thanks.